0: Feminists are calling for women to go on a sex strike March 8th to protest Donald Trump. And you know what that means. That's right. Women who support Donald Trump are going to be getting a lot of action. I mean a lot of action. (laughs) Wow, sir. If you're a Trump-supporting woman on March 8th, you are going to be busy. Sorry, my mind drifted. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Feminists want women to go on a sex strike to protest Donald Trump. As a first step to organizing the strike, feminists say they will have to locate women who have sex with men, or at least women that men want to have sex with, and as none of these are feminists, the task may be a large one. The idea of the strike was put forward in an article titled, Women of America, We're Going on Strike. Join us so Trump will see our power. The article was published in The Guardian, a British communist newspaper that I guess some of these horrible communist-type people read. In the piece, a group of feminists write, and this is a real quote, the idea is to mobilize women, including trans women, in an international day of struggle, a day of striking, marching, blocking roads, bridges, and squares, abstaining from domestic care and sex work, unquote. In other words, if I'm reading that right, when March 8th comes, you could find a transsexual prostitute standing in traffic to protest violence against women. Try not to run him over. That would probably set the cause back by being an act of violence against Someone who looks like a woman, even though he's really not. The article goes on to to attack what is now being called lean-in feminism. Lean-in feminism is the idea that rich white women can have anything they want if they're irritating enough and their husbands are weaklings. But according to the horrible communist women in The Guardian, lean-in feminism is very bad because it's only for rich white women and you know what they're like, especially when they get some kind of stupid idea like lean-in feminism and they won't stop going on and on about it. So the communist horribles in The Guardian want transsexual prostitutes to block traffic in order to prove they can be just as annoying as rich white women. And good luck with that. Now you may say, what's any of this got to do with Donald Trump? After all, he's off safely in the White House, where he can't go around grabbing women by the crotch anymore, unless he starts acting like Bill Clinton, in which case, watch out. But I mean, as long as he continues to behave like a Republican president, women should be relatively safe, and there would be no reason for transsexual prostitutes to block traffic, which Donald Trump probably won't care that much about anyway. So really, when you think about it, this whole idea doesn't make much sense. But it's from women. You know what they're like. They're totally irrational. Trigger warning I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky dunky. Life is tickety boo. Birds are ringing, also singing hunky dunky doo. Ship shaped dipsy topsy. The world is biddy zing. It's a wonderful day. Hooray, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah! hooray. All right, the Clavinless weekend at last is over. We're back. We have Grammy-winning cultural correspondent Michael Knowles, who will, is going to sing his entire report about the Grammys last night. That's going to be a, a big treat for all of us because I, he's won, won like five or six uh, Grammys in his imagination. So he should be uh, great. And we'll be talking about uh, the news first. Um, so you want to? If you're on Facebook or YouTube, you will have to come over if you want to see Knowles. You got to come over to uh, DailyWire.com, wherever it is we work. You know? <laughs> You know, you know when we were when we were uh, staffing the show, we just stood outside uh, prisons and mental institutions, took the first person uh, who walked out and offered him, you know, uh, underage women. But if you want your business to be well stocked with people who know what they're doing, you got to go to ziprecruiter.com. Okay, with ziprecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200 plus job sites including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter all with a single click, much better than the prisons and insane asylum. Silent. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. You don't have to juggle emails or calls to your office. You quickly screen the candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses as well. And right now, I don't even know why I have to <laughs> convince people to do this when they're giving it away, right? You can. My listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ziprecruiter.com/dailywire. That's ziprecruiter.com/dailywire. One more time to try it for free, go to zip Recruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Don't let this show, things like this show happen to you. It would be an ugly, oh, ugly yeah. situation. Yeah. I know. All right. Well, it gives us it gives us that certain je ne sais quoi, which I think is French for criminal incompetence. <laughs> um, so, so, all right. So, I don't know. Uh, we uh, Ben and I just got in, an argument backstage, a, a friendly argument backstage about Stephen Miller. I watched Stephen Miller, the spokesman, the White House uh, policy uh, aid on TV, I thought it was a bloodbath. I thought the police should be investigating who killed the morning talk show host. It was like, why well, he just cut them to pieces. I thought it was like watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was like, don't stop, you're killing Chuck Dodd, you know. <laughs> but we'll get back to him. First, we have to talk about, you know, I, I gave this speech over the weekend in Colorado, and people were complaining that I didn't tell them where I was, and I don't really give a lot of speeches, and when I do, I kind of do it in this daze. I usually agree to it because I wasn't thinking clearly, and then I go off and I kind of ignore the fact that I have to do it until I'm there and all that, so I don't really promote them as well as I should. I should probably talk a little bit more. Mm -hmm. This was with with the leadership program of the Rockies, excellent organization where they actually train conservative libertarians to, uh, you know, enter government. And they've stocked a lot of uh, Colorado's government. A lot of the people who are still fighting for freedom in Colorado come from this, this program. And I was talking about... What I call and what the left often calls the narrative, the way our ideas are shaped by the story that we're told about, as Barack Obama used to say, who we are, who we are. And I just feel, and one of the things I said at this place was that I felt that Donald Trump is the first president on our side since Reagan to understand the narrative. And when he attacks Saturday Night Live and people like me are going like, why is the president attacking Saturday Night Live? He actually knows what he's doing. And the difference, you know, people will say, oh, well, look, Reagan was so polite and so optimistic and he knew how to speak to people in this gentle, grandfatherly way, and Trump is such a a bore and he's so rough and he's a a roughneck— they both are products of the culture that created them. I mean, our pro- our culture has become vulgarized since Reagan to produce language like Trump's. And I think that when the people who are out there protesting him are the people who created the culture, because the culture is a wholly owned subsidiary of the left wing of the country. And that's kind of what I was talking about and why I take hope when Trump's people go out there and change the narrative when they attack the press for being the corrupt, dishonest people that they are. I mean, right now, they're they're trying to do a couple of things in the press. One is to create this atmosphere of chaos in the White House. And I I don't know. I mean, this Trump White House has been pretty disciplined. The people they pick are really amazing. But, you know, there's this story now about Mike Flynn, (coughs) pardon me, the national security Advisor. Before he took office, before he took office, he talked to the Russian ambassador and discussed the sanctions that Obama had imposed on them for uh, theoretically tampering with the election. And then he said that he didn't, and uh, Mike Pence went on TV and said, well, he didn't. He says that he didn't, so Pence is reportedly uh, ticked off about this, and they're thinking about should they get rid of Flynn. And, of course, this is reported in the New York Times, which used to be a newspaper. You may have heard of it. Turmoil from the top down at the National Security Council. You know, a guy stepped out of line. They're a little out of practice. You know, these guys are not, this is not a politically experienced group of people, and they're going to make some mistakes. I Made mean, this big deal about Kellyanne Conway. You know, she broke a rule. It's true she broke a rule by uh, touting Ivanka Trump stuff, you know, but like, who cares? I mean, really, who cares? You know, you know, yeah, tell her not to do that anymore, but who cares? The other meme, though, that I've just noticed is they're sending out is that Trump. Is crazy that he's mentally disturbed okay now this was interesting because I, I was talking about Trump at the uh, in in Colorado and afterwards a woman came up to me and said you know really loved your speech but the one thing I disagree with you about is about his Trump because I think he's crazy you know and I said well do you mean li- you literally think he's crazy and she said yes and I said well look you know he, he's so uh, he's so new and offbeat that you may be right you may be right but things there's little things that kind of Tend to testify against that, like his success in business, his success on TV, his success uh, in the campaigns, and the fact that his children don't seem to me to be emotional wrecks. They seem, all of them, to be very poised and put together. And if your father is crazy, as I can tell you, you know, <laughs> your crazy. You don't really turn out like that. But the, the way they push this, I just want to talk about how the narr- these narratives are created. What they do first is they put it on entertainment shows. they make jokes about it, and that and they'll put up posters on the street. Uh, my friend Owen Brennan over at Madison McQueen talks about this a little bit. that those create the borders, the yeah, the borders of what we're allowed to say. Seriously. So take a look at Bill Maher, who is talking to uh, comedian Al Franken, who now I guess we have to call elected comedian Al Franken. And, 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 and Maher says to him, You know, you sit around and you have private lunches with Republicans. What are these Republicans telling you about Donald Trump? And here is Franken's response.
1: To give us a little insight into what's happening behind the scenes. Well, there's a range. <laughs> um. <laughs>
2: in what they'll say. And some will um, say that he's not right mentally.
0: <laughs> and then okay. some
2: are harsher. <laughs> no, 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 that's not fair. Right. That, that was, a, uh, it was cheap, that was cheap. Uh, there are some who, I guess, uh, don't talk to me, and uh, uh, you know, uh, I haven't heard a lot of good things, uh, and I've heard some great concern uh, about uh, about the president's temperament.
0: Okay, so you know, now we have to let Franken off the hook. It's not like he's a senator; he is a comedian. <sighs> Oh, wait, wait, he is—no, but this is the way they establish the borders of what is appropriate to say. He's calling the president crazy. He's saying the president of the United States— is insane. So now Brian Stelter, this reliable anti-Trump crusader on CNN who actually thinks he's reporting the news. He actually thinks he's telling the whole story. He has Andrew Sullivan. Does anybody remember Andrew Sullivan? Andrew Sullivan had this big blog and the thing was he was he was supposed to be a gay conservative and only that's only half true. I mean, he is gay but he's not a conservative. And Brian Stelter, and he's selling the same thing to Brian Stelter. He wrote an article saying that Trump was unbalanced, and he, you know, he talked about the murder rate, and the murder rate wasn't what he said it was, and he's obviously a congenital liar, and he is mentally unbalanced. And Stelter's question is, gee, why isn't everybody reporting this? That's that's big news that the president's crazy. So listen to this.
3: But you're taking it a couple steps further by questioning his mental stability. And I wonder why you think that's not being said more often on television or in columns like your own. Do you feel like you're a bit alone on this issue? And if so, why? Well, I think others are picking up, but certainly if you're not on camera or not writing, people are talking about this all the time. I think sometimes you want to assume that there is a rationality at the center of our entire republic, that there is someone who can listen to reason, who can see an empirical fact, who can distinguish between an opinion and a fact, between what he wants to be true and what is true. And, and sometimes we don't want to say that in public. We can't. But look, we're journalists and we're trying to understand what's happening. And if we don't just simply say what's in front of our eyes,
0: what use are we? Yes, what use are we? Now, this is the guy, Andrew Sullivan, who, when Sarah Palin had her baby Trigg, this guy went nuts trying to prove that Trigg Palin was not Sarah's son but was her daughter's son, and she was actually the grandmother, and they were covering up this illegitimate child. He went full bore, 100% to the wall, out of his mind, trying to prove this with charts. And, you know, they made fun of him that he was doing a chart of like a womb and how this worked. Listen to him with uh, Joy Behar g- giving this conspiracy theory. There are so many bizarre questions, including this extraordinary
3: story of the, the, the birth of Trigg, which is, on any on any basis, extraordinarily hard to believe the way she's told it. Maybe there is some truth there that we don't fully know. Well, she's what did she said how,
2: What do you mean, the way she's told it?
3: She gave birth. You to just the baby. don't. Be, you just don't behave that way. No one behaves that way. Which way? No one has. <laughs> no one is eight months pregnant, thousands of miles away from home, as mm-hmm. she says, in a hotel room in Dallas. Oh yes. With a special needs child, wakes up both upright in bed uh has a strange sensation low in her belly and tells the Anchorage Daily News uh that her water broke and doesn't go to the hospital. No one does that.
2: Oh, that's a very interesting No one ever does that.
3: Let alone then give a speech. In her own book she says she gives a speech while she's having contractions. I say. She tells a joke in the speech. She says big laughs, more contractions. Is
2: no one investigating this? She's getting a pass on a lot of things. The
3: mainstream
0: media Didn't do any investigations with plausibility of this story. I mean, is no one invested? She's getting a pass on having... By the way, Salon, credit where credit is due, so thoroughly debunked this conspiracy theory. I mean... Everybody had seen that she was pregnant. Everybody knew she was pregnant. Everybody knew when she delivered. I mean, the whole thing was absolutely invented out of whole cloth from this man's sick imagination. This is crazy stuff. And now he's doing it again with Donald Trump. So now it's moved up to Brian Stelter. So what used to be entertainment, Joy Behar, as kind of nonsense show that she did, you know, now becomes the news. And that is the way they push this To the max. And the final response to this, we will give you uh, in a minute. I'm going to have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. But Grammy women winning cultural correspondent Michael Knowles is coming up to sing his entire report on the Grammys at thedailywire.com. Hope you're getting your voice. So, to Stelter's credit, to give him credit where credit is due, he then has on Chris Ruddy from Newsmax, who The complete voice of, I mean, it was like this voice of sanity and you say like, wow, why doesn't everybody talk like this? Here's Chris Ruddy's response. To believe, as Andrew
1: claimed, that because he got the murder statistic rate wrong, that therefore he's a pathological liar and therefore he's mentally unstable, I really think that's over the top and that's why millions and millions of people are turning off the big cable news networks because they really do feel, I don't know if it's fake news as much as it's biased news, But this is a guy. Always remember this. He was 30 years old. He shows up in Manhattan within a few years. He's building some of the biggest buildings in the city, biggest hotels. He goes to Atlantic City, owns the biggest casinos. He goes to the top of the real estate market. In his 50s, he becomes a TV star. He has 14 years with a hit show. Nobody has 14 years with a hit show. Two years ago, he decides he wants to run for president. He's now president. This is a man. If he's crazy, he's crazy like a fox. So I would not underestimate his abilities, and I do think we need to give him a little slack. He's the first non-politician as president. Give him mm-hmm. six months. Let's then really come on. You, you, we could pick apart. I think Barack Obama is a good man, but we could sit here and pick apart all of his personality quirks. Um, I think that would not be very conducive building consensus in this country.
0: <laughs> it's like, like what? Stelter's still, just looking at him, like what? Give him a chance, you know? Treat his, treat his success with respect. What? Huh? I don't. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, but what show is this? You know? I mean, it's like he's looking. Look at the look on his face. He's looking at him like he, he's landed from Mars. And all Ruddy is doing is talking plain common sense. And that's why I really enjoyed watching Stephen Miller. Take them apart. I mean, he he first he went after uh, Snuffleupagus, but he also this thing with Chris Todd. I just found it hilarious. I mean, Miller is this very intense policy wonk. You know, he looks he looks really. I mean, he's really wound up. You know, so so let's let's play just a couple of cuts of this, of Chuck Todd. Uh, Chuck Todd is is challenging the travel ban. He's saying you didn't ban people from the places where, you know, a lot of terrorism comes from. Uh, And he talks about San Bernardino. So this is cut number three.
3: The whole point of this idea at the time of a full Muslim ban, and then he has since tapered it back, was in response to San Bernardino, where the spouse came from Saudi Arabia of Pakistan origin.
4: Well, you're 100 percent. Well, first of all, neither you're 100 your percent correct. You're 100 percent correct that the San Bernardino incident demonstrated the profound degree to which our immigration system is vulnerable to terrorism. And the FBI has information right now that would clearly indicate the extent to which massive numbers of court cases are happening and have happened all over our country relating to terrorist infiltration of our immigration system. But if you look at the executive order, what it spells out is a 90 day period to put in place extreme vetting across the board. So the first seven countries are based upon our determination right. about the security conditions in those countries and their ability to cooperate with us. But there's a 30 day period where new security measures are promulgated and a 60-day compliance spirit. And, Chuck, I will be glad to come back on your show when that's done and walk you through how we've kept our country safe across the board from individuals coming into our country who don't share our values and who right. don't love our people.
0: Stop! You're killing him! It's a bloodbath! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really thought the police should come in. Just one more exchange. Now uh, Chuck goes after him, Chuck Dodd goes after him for the people who are now being rounded up because ICE agents are no longer being told they can't do their job. Right. And he says, he says, well, what what's a crime? Is it just a crime that they committed a crime by coming into the country? Does that make them criminals just because they committed a crime? So This is, this is a kind of long. Is it number four? That's the long one. That's kind of a long exchange. Yeah. yeah. It's worth listening to the whole thing. It's uh, only about two minutes. Uh, this is just talking being about
3: him. undocumented here illegally. Is that enough of a criminal
4: act to get you deported under this order? The order describes a criminal offense would typically mean anything from a misdemeanor to a felony. In particular, the emphasis is on crimes that threaten or endanger public safety. But as you well know, you cannot order a federal law enforcement officer in ICE any more than you can in the FBI or the DEA or the Marshall Service to ignore the laws of the United States. It would be highly unethical for me in the White House or anybody else to pick up the phone and call an ICE officer and say, well, when you encounter this particular felon, we'd like you to pretend the law doesn't exist. But I can tell you right now, there are enforcement actions happening all over this country, in which gang members, drug dealers, I understand. sex offenders I understand are being the
3: high swept up. Felons. I, what about what about if the only crime they committed was being here illegally? Is that enough to be deported?
4: Sean, a immigration—I mean, Chuck, an immigration judge makes those decisions then ICE officer makes those decisions. I and the White House don't make those decisions. So you do not people don't don't like the If people don't like the immigration laws of the United States, they can reform them. Our right. emphasis is on deporting and removing criminal aliens who pose a threat to public safety. And I just want to say this. There's been a lot of coverage in the news about the effects of these enforcement actions on people who are here illegally. And that's an issue people are free to discuss. But what's more important and what should be discussed more is the lives that are being saved, Chuck, the American lives that are being saved because we're taking enforcement action. And when we didn't take those actions in the past, you have families like the Wilkerson family and the Root family and the Mendoza family who lost people they loved because we were more concerned we were more concerned uh, about the effects of enforcement on people here illegally than on the well-being of lawful immigrants and U.S. Okay, citizens. Okay, so it-
0: <laughs> it's just he like, it just, it really was. Remember that scene in the, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where he just buries that meat hook in the guy's back? That's what this is like watching. I mean, he turned the narrative back around, and every time he starts mentioning the criminality of some of the people being deported and the victims, you can hear Chuck Todd going, oh, yeah, 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 okay, 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 <laughs> stop, 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 stop talk, talking. I, th- I thought it was a bloodbath. I thought he did a great job uh, Trump tweeted that he did a great job, and uh, I think this is what we need more of because the media has lost. Their collective minds. And speaking of people who have lost their collective minds, we have Grammy-winning uh, <laughs> cultural correspondent Michael Knowles, who was at the uh, the Grammys. who were watching the Grammys last night uh, from a uh, you know a brothel somewhere. Whatever you were doing. <laughs> so, what, so how was it? I, I purposely avoid these things. How was
5: it? I, Drew, I, I have to before <laughs> before I start the segment. I thank you for the Grammy award that you gave me, but I I can't accept it because. Beyonce deserves all of the awards. She doesn't, I don't, des- every award, the Nobel
0: Prize, the, the Clio, what, what, all of the We have to apologize to Beyonce for winning I'm awards. I'm sorry, right. Beyonce, that I, that, that Drew gave me all
5: of these fake awards. We, we have to start out with this. It, for those who didn't watch, which is every single person in the studio and in the audience, uh, Adele, won an award uh, last night at the Grammys, and she apologized to Beyoncé because Beyoncé has positioned herself as the queen of the universe. And she, in Beyoncé's own performance, she wore a crown. Yeah. And, and so, uh, do we have that cut of Adele? Can we play that? I know it's
3: live TV. I'm sorry I can't do it
5: again. I think it's actually... I'm
3: sorry for swearing, and I'm sorry for starting again. Can we please start it?
5: I think it's a different clip. Uh, anyway, we maybe we don't have it. We'll try to pull it back up. Uh, there's a clip of Adele apologizing because she – because Beyonce is the greatest singer in the world. and Adele
0: won For best album or Adele something? Adele like won,
5: that. yeah. Best album, best song. Who, who knows? I was kind of a blur at this <laughs> point between between all the alcohol and the, the women of questionable morality. But the, the – uh, her, her apology was that uh, the way that Beyoncé makes her feel and the way that she makes her black friends feel is such that she couldn't accept the award. And, uh, but, she know, said she Of course, then she did. She did. Yeah. And, yeah,
0: uh, well, yeah. As she, and she walked the off stage with <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, I really can't accept this. Get away from this or I'll kill you. And <laughs> yeah. it,
5: you know, I, I actually think more credit goes to Beyoncé because Beyoncé saw an opportunity to position herself as a feminist icon and a black icon and she's taken it and really run with it and it's also good for me, her, she and I being from the same family it's really <laughs> nice I think if she's the queen I'm, I might be a duke or something that's pretty good
0: now wait wait is she a feminist is Beyonce is, is that feminism now
5: I, I, I didn't know that but I, I'll tell you what you, you can judge for yourself okay. let's just play a little clip of that Beyonce performance uh, I think that's clip uh, 12 Everything like your mother. so for those you who can't that, see this it looks as though Beyonce is wearing very little clothing. Her pregnant belly is showing, and there are all these uh, sorts of qu- uh, regal uh, images that are popping up, Beyonce in a crown, and then it cuts out, and it cuts back in, and she's in a dress, and you're not sure where the reality is. Um, uh,
0: is she pregnant? Is she pregnant? She's
5: very pregnant, yes, <laughs> and uh, just... For the record, when Beyoncé is pregnant, she's pregnant with two beautiful babies who are going to be Knowles's someday. So, so
0: you can't, you can't like kill them or You're anything like that? You're not allowed to kill them. Oh, okay. But, yeah, but if it's, it's not Beyoncé, like it's too, of, That's okay. Yeah, I get it. That's I get right. It. It's, I it's sort
5: of like Adele was saying. There are just different rules for Beyoncé. For Beyoncé,
0: of course. Yes. Of course, yeah.
5: um, And uh, so Beyoncé gives this... Very bizarre performance, an homage to motherhood is how it was taken. And, uh, and then she, give, she, she does finally win an award, so Adele was able to go to rest yeah. easy that night. Yeah. Um, here is, uh, here's Beyonce's acceptance speech. It's worth playing.
3: My intention for the film and album was to create a body of work that would give a voice to our pain, our struggles, our darkness, and our history, to confront issues that make us uncomfortable. It's important to me to show images to my children that reflect their beauty so they can grow up in a world where they look in the mirror, first through their own families, as well as the news, the Super Bowl, the Olympics, the White House, and the Grammys, and see themselves and have no doubt that they're beautiful, intelligent, and capable. This is something I want for every child of every race, and I feel it's vital that we learn from the past and recognize our tendencies to repeat our our mistakes. Thank you again for honoring Lemonade. Have a beautiful evening. Thank you for tonight. This is incredible.
0: So everybody's standing, to listening to this as if it were a prayer, and she's dressed like the Virgin Mary, baby. They
5: should have been kneeling, darn it. I can't believe they were on their feet. <laughs> yeah, really. Royalty, royalty is they. royalty, right? Yeah. It, it is amazing, though, a beautiful, rich, successful woman giving a speech to a bunch of beautiful, rich, successful people <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a post-Obama era about how Uh, We need to be able to look into the worlds of success and politics and uh, see people of all races. So that was really incredible. But of course, the night would not have been complete without a bunch of extremely stupid comments about (laughs) Donald Trump. Here's a quick little mashup.
1: Agent Orange, up, for perpetuating all of the evil that you've been perpetuating nah. throughout the United States. What? I want to thank President Agent Orange, for nah. your successful attempt at the Muscle Man.
4: Voices are needed more than ever.
1: For
5: Lopez, for those who are the one who's speaking now. I don't know who the other people are.
4: <laughs> As Toni Morrison once said, "This is precisely the time when artists go to work. There is no time for despair." no place for self-pity, no need for silence, and no room for fear. We do language. That is how
1: civilizations heal. Thank you so much. Um, We can really use this kind of excitement at a pipeline protest, guys. (laughs) Hashtag no dapple.
3: No (laughs) dapple. Please
0: Google Gavin Grimm. He's going to the Supreme Court in March. Hashtag stand with Gavin. You know, I just you know what what really is interesting about this is if you go back the last twenty years, I'm going to get some of this stuff. We're going to pull some of this stuff up. If you go back over rap songs for the last twenty years, Trump has been held up as an object of envy and emulation. They they, there are rap song lyrics like "I am the Black Trump" and stuff like this. So suddenly he's the after they made this guy, they created him. You know, suddenly he's he's the bad. I I want to ask you this though. What what is this this album Lemonade. I know it was very. Uh, it was dropped in this original way, kind of as a surprise. You got the whole thing in one that day. Yes, yeah, and everybody got fr- it. Yeah. Is it any good?
5: Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I'll read you. I, I won't say that it's terrible because I don't really know. I mean, and also, terrible is relative these days. And you just saw well, it, quite a cut. That's right. And she
0: has a great voice, Beyonce. She has, I has I really a great do, voice.
5: Yeah. She's a smart businesswoman. So I know you're, we're not allowed to swear on this show. So I'll try to substitute in. Okay. Here's here's a, a quick cut. From one of these songs. And by the way, the, the album was released with this uh, press release that it, it is a conceptual project based on every woman's journey of self knowledge and healing. Ah, so, okay. I love those. I love those. those.
0: I'll <laughs> put it in my collection of, uh, of women's self knowledge <laughs> and healing. I have a whole shelf of those. This yeah. is in the top five <laughs> yeah. of that yeah. category. Yeah.
5: Uh, so, your, your the lyrics. How did it come down to this scrolling through your call list? I don't want to lose my pride, but I'm a F-me-up uh, lady dog. Know that I kept it sexy. You know I kept it fun. There's something that I'm missing. Maybe my head for one. <laughs> so, you know, okay, I mean, so it's not Wordsworth. Pre- but uh, <laughs> but it's climbing up towards
0: that. Climbing yeah, it's climbing like, up. It's aspiring. All right. uh, you know, there, is, yeah. there
5: was one, other than me, there was one huge winner at the Grammys last night. There was one, uh, an artist going oh. to work. Here she is, uh, Joy Villa. Joy Villa is is nobody. I mean, she wasn't nominated for a Grammy. She was Grammy considered, so she was invited to the show. She uh, posted with, with this photo in her uh, in her "Make America Great Again" Donald Trump secret dress That's that she wore to great. the show. She posted, uh, "Go big or go home. You can either stand for what you believe or fall for what you don't. Above all, make a choice for tolerance and love. Agree to disagree." Uh, see the the person over the politics, carry yourself with dignity always. Life is made to be lived, so go boldly and give no Fs. And she actually spelled out Fs to make it so it wasn't vulgar. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and the, the great punchline of this whole story is that her album, this album called I Make the Static, was ranked 543,502 543, on the Amazon and iTunes charts. The night before the Grammys. Yeah. And this morning, it jumped to number
0: one oh, on the right. iTunes sales chart. Three songs of hers in the top 100. Narrative fail. Narrative so, fail. That who's is controlling great. the culture? What's Give me your name again so we'll remember. This is
5: Joy Villa. Joy so Villa. So all of the listeners, buy Ivanka's <laughs> stuff Support and go listen Arch, to Joy folks. Villa. That's great.
0: All right. Grammy-winning cultural correspondent Michael Knowles. You forgot to sing it, but it was still a very good report from the Grammys. I won't even attempt it. Make America great again. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new song. I'm, gonna yeah. you know. all right. Stuff I like. It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Did oh, yeah. does anybody? a room full of guys. Does anybody? <laughs> does anybody know that it's Valentine's Day tomorrow? Oh no! I guess I gotta do something. All right. So some Valentine stuff I like. You know, I want to repeat. I have two. I want to repeat one that I did. Uh, uh, a while back, but it's worth repeating because n- not enough people know it. There's a short story by uh, John Galsworthy called The Apple Tree. Uh, it's gen- generally regarded as one of the greatest short stories in English, but it's certainly one of the greatest love stories. Uh, if you can find it, you can probably find it online. John these The Apple Tree, they made a terrible movie out of it. So don't read, don't watch that, but read the sh- short story. If you like love stories, it's great. The other one I want to talk about just briefly is Jane Eyre. Uh, by Charlotte Bronte, great novel, eighteen forty seven. One of one of the greatest novels, the greatest English novels, but also just a fantastic love story. And I was thinking about it because this week they brought out the sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey. And I I tried to read Fifty Shades of Grey just to get into it, but I I seriously got like two pages into it because the prose. You know, I don't like to attack my fellow authors, but the prose was difficult, let's say. <laughs> difficult. And I don't mean complex. I mean just difficult. <clears throat> so I, I turned on the movie and scrolled through to watch the sex scenes. And um, <laughs> and I have to say it was actually disturbing. It was not I, – I understand that they call it mommy porn and I understand that it was exciting for women and all this stuff. But it was pretty brutal. I mean, it wasn't like they were just, like, having a little bit of fun. I mean, the guy beats the living daylight out of her. And apparently this is cool. But what this is, is it is an extension of something. Ideas always get extended to their extremes, ultimately. That's one of the things that happens to ideas, which is always interesting to watch because it really reveals some of the flaws in the idea and the nature of the idea. But if you watch Jane Eyre, which is about this kind of mousy little... Uh, um... W- she's a she's a she comes to be the governess of this guy's uh, two children and the guy's name is Rochester one of the fam- most famous characters in literature and he is sort of the model he's first of all Byron is the model for all these guys the poet we were talking about the romantic poets last week the romantic pirate uh, poet Byron that the became an adjective to be Byronic which meant to be dark and brooding and mysterious and kind of unapproachable and Rochester is Byronic and he's he you know this it's this little kind of mousy girl who comes up against this enormous, powerful Byronic figure in Rochester, and of course begins to transform him. And and really, uh, they have this incredible love story. It's an incredible Gothic story with all kinds of mystery. You should read the book. The book is terrific. You really should. If you're going, if you're not going to read the book and you want to watch the movie, you got to watch the old movie with Orson Welles and Joan Fontaine. Here is a brief, um, a, a brief segment of it which shows you the kind of relationship he's totally dominating her and he brings her over and he forces her to sit down and sit in a certain place in a certain way so he can see her so he can look at her without moving his chair because he wants to be in his comfortable chair and he's just totally uh lording it over her and you can see in her gentle way how she kind of takes over the scene
2: you examine me monsieur do you find me handsome no sir indeed I beg your pardon. I was too plain. My answer was a mistake. Just so, and you should be answerable for it. Now then explain. Does my forehead not please you? What do you tell from my head? Am I a fool? No, sir. Far from it. Would you say it is the head of a kindly man? Hardly that, sir. Very well, madam. I am not a kindly man. Though I did once have a sort of... Tenderness of heart, you doubt then? Since then, fortune's knocked me about, kneaded me with her knuckles, till now I flatter myself I'm as hard and tough as an india rubber ball. With perhaps one small sensitive point in the middle of the lump. Does that leave hope for me?
1: Hope
2: of what, sir? My retransformation from india rubber back to flesh. You look very puzzled, young lady. And a uh, puzzled air becomes you. Besides, it keeps those searching eyes of yours away from my face.
0: So he doesn't have to slap her around, doesn't have to hit her with a whip. He just is, it's just the force of his personality. Everything, everything in our culture gets transformed into sex because we're a culture of flesh and not of spirit. But in these days, they still held on to an idea of the spirit. And it is a beautiful, beautiful love story of a v- deeply masculine man and a deeply feminine woman and uh, how they get together. If you can read the book, you should. It's just a terrific, terrific novel. Charlotte Bronte, Jane Eyre, Valentine's Stuff I Like. And we'll have more Valentine's stuff I like tomorrow when we are back to save the culture from itself. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show, and we'll see you then.